Ooh. <laughs> What's up, good people? It's time for another session of that verbal cardio, man. We back. We back in business. Back in business. I got my co-host extraordinaire, H2O. Water, baby. Water is a great, great, fantastic co-host, man. It's the co-host of your life. It's the co-host you never knew you needed until you needed it. It's the co-host we all need. It's the co-host we all need to cherish and hold dear. The co-host of everything, man. Think about everything you're doing in your life. None of it is possible without water. Think about it. Think about it. Think about that. Everything you have ever done in your entire life is possible because of water. Think about that, man. Take it in. Really reflect on that. See, because you're out here living your life, you think you're too big for water. You think you're too good for it. You think it's a, it's a hassle. It's a nuisance to drink your water daily. You take it for granted. You know what I'm saying? You out here living your life. You're doing, you going to work. You're doing whatever. You're in a relationship. You're out here dating. You're out here having fun. You're out here taking trips. You're out here doing your thing. None of that is possible without water. If we lose water today, let's say water was like, man, fuck y'all. I'm out. What if water started packing its luggage and left the planet? Tonight, our days are numbered. We're going to be done. We're going to be big done. So whatever, whatever you was holding dear, whatever you was putting on that pedestal, pales in comparison to what water has provided. I want you to really take that in and reflect, man. And when you big musty, when you big musty, when you sitting there big musty, when you're trying to mask it with some deodorant, who's going to be there for you to get rid of the big musty? When you big salty, like when you walking around dirty and crusty, big salty, your back is salty. Your whole neck is crusted over and salty. Who going to be there to rinse you off? Who going to get the saltiness off your skin? Water going to be right there. You going to be running the water. As soon as you get home from the gym, you all sweaty and salty and crusted over. You're going to get in that shower. You're like, oh, man, I feel like a million bucks. That's because water was there for you. Imagine if you don't have that. Imagine getting home, you crusty. You got to stay crusty because you ain't got no water. Imagine that life. You're going to be crusted over. Imagine fresh, fresh out the smash. You was smashing pumps. You was taking them. You was giving them. You're done. Water going to be right there. Imagine, imagine post-sex, no rinse off, no bird bath, no shower. You just taking the pumps and then you just looking at each other and then you just crust it over. Imagine that. Well, you got to use a dry rag after you're done. A dry rag? Oh. I need water to be respected out here, man. That's what it's all about. Nothing else matters. The economy, politics, racism, social injustice, equal wages, gender equality, human rights, civil rights. None of that matters more than water. None of it. All right? I want y'all to reflect on that. But we back. Verbal cardio, man. We out here. Now, last week, 
I forgot to, uh, I wanted to talk about Snowfall at length. And I forgot to, I forgot to touch on it last episode. But now we back. But first of all, I want to give a shout out to my patron saints, my Patreon members. And for those of you watching in the IG live and you're not a patron saint, you missing out on shout outs, man. Look at this. They getting shout outs in here. Tony Ant, Lana, uh, Cafe Olay, Hey Scotty, Chanel Renee, Candy Cammy, Tanisha L, Franz, Terrence C., um, AJ, Katrina Smith-Jones, Nana P, Miranda Cummings, Sharon McBee, KC, Coco Puff, Miss Ma'am, Shoe Game Shan, it's Miss Miley, Miranda Cummings, Sherry Tucker, Sarita Houston, Latoya Henry. Let me tell you, let me tell you about the love I have for my patron saints. Sarita Houston is the patron saint. We linked up in uh North Carolina. We went to Cracker Barrel together. That's the patron saint experience. If I got the time. Sometimes I don't be having the time, but if I got the time. We link up for some crispy edges at Cracker Barrel. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to get that if you just out here just following on the gram. Nah, man, but the patron saints get the special treatment because they are special. So uh, if y'all want to join up, click the link in my bio, hit that Patreon tab, and join up today. Join up today, man. We had a good time. All right, I'm cutting y'all off. If you want to see the rest of this, join my Patreon right now. As soon as you join, you're going to see the page, you're going to see the link, and then you can come in and build with us, man. But for for right now, the patron saints reign supreme. JV, Lena, Jamaica Queen 32. You know what I'm saying? They all up in here. Vanilla Gorilla 130. You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? Melody, we out here. Boom. Pow. Bam. All right. Appreciate y'all, patron saints. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Snowfall. Snowfall has completed its entire run. All right. Snowfall has completed its entire run. Great show. Um, Snowfall was the FX series, if you're not familiar with it. It's about the rise and fall of a drug kingpin in 80s Los Angeles the crack epidemic uh the show uh debuted in 2017 and finished its run in 2023 right six seasons six seasons of straight cocaine and crack shenanigans man in LA great show I had a good time watching this show um, to see the rise of Franklin Saint and how everything played out. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. Um, now, the big question is, the big question is, the big question is, what's better? The Wire or Snowfall? Snowfall had an action-packed final season where, you know, the pressure was on in this season. You know, the beef between Franklin and his Aunt Louie and Jerome and them. The beef with with uh, Teddy freezing all of Franklin's money. $70 million, frozen, solid. Franklin couldn't get to it. He panicked, shut his whole world down. 
He didn't know what to do with himself. Franklin wasn't ready for this. He was not ready for this. Panic, panic at the disco. You know, double agents. You know, KGB involved in the goddamn CIA and the FBI and the LBC and the QBX and the DMX and the LOX all involved. Leon having a change of heart and wanting to come back from Africa to just right his wrongs. That he devastated the community. He wants to feel like he wants to give it closure and come back and do right by his people. Franklin's mom that's, you know, still bitter about the loss of her husband who was killed at the hands of Teddy McDonald. And she wanted her revenge. Now she back working with Franklin to try to try to get him to get his money back. It was going down. Double crosses and setups and Kane still bitter and Wanting in on this and the greasy, coked out Jerry Curl having cop that was dirty but working with Louie. And Louie's still pissed at Franklin and Franklin pissed at Louie. And they don't know who to trust. They family, but they fractured. It was all going down, man. It was all going down. But the beauty of Snowfall, it's all about greed. It's all about greed, greediness. How far are you willing to go? In the name of greed, money, the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. It's the backbone of this show. He wants to sell drugs so he can make money, so he can so he can have freedom, as he called it. Like if you go back to early snowfall, he was telling Melanie, he was like, what do you want to do? He was like, man, I want to be free. I want freedom. That's what he wanted. That's what he foresaw for himself. And a way to get that freedom is financial independence. You making enough money, you feel like you're free. But all the glitters ain't gold. Just because you're making money don't mean you're free. You're shackled to the drug game now. You're shackled to the bodies that you have created. You're shackled to the blood stains that have been left behind. You're shackled to the betrayals. You're shackled to the dirty deeds you have done. You're shackled to the communities that you have destroyed. Ain't no freedom in that. You might think it, it might sound free. Yeah, I'm getting this money, but man, you ain't free. And you're shackled to the greed. And then once that money is taken away from you, what you got? You're desperate. You're thirsty. You'll do anything for that money. You're yelling at people. You're cussing people out. I want my fucking money. He's always yelling. Franklin always yelling. Franklin wanted that money. He was going to do anything to get it. He was going to turn his back and double cross anybody to get it. I want my fucking money. Right? Then you saw the desperation. Like, he couldn't get his money back. Teddy had him by the balls. That's the opposite of freedom. When you are dependent on someone else that has your money, and then they can just take it in one. They can just they can just shut that shit down, and they done took all your money. Your your other money, your cash, your solid cash has already been stolen. Already been stolen. Peaches ran off with your money. Your your little your little tangible cash stash that you had that's gone. 
And now your cash that's in these banks and in these, you know, joints all over the place, that's gone. So now you're scrambling. You don't know what to do, man. Your freedom is about to be clipped. That's a scary feeling. And Franklin was willing to do anything to get his money back. So you saw the desperation. You saw, you know, they they holding people hostage. They got Teddy hostage. They doing all this. Side note, spoiler alert, if you haven't finished Snowfall. that's I waited a week so you can finish Snowfall. They tortured Teddy up, try to get, you know what I'm saying, I want the money back. And then Teddy, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you like, we can just split the money. I'll get the money. We could split it 31 million a piece. Please just, just stop pouring hot grits on my chest. He was pouring the hot. The hot grits on his chest. The Al Green Dean. He's like, I'll give you, I'll give you the account codes. Just, just stop pouring the hot malto meal on my chest. It was just straight oil. It was hot water oil. I don't know what they was pouring on that man, but I was like, his chest looked like, goddamn. It looked like a cookie sheet that you cook bacon on and you reuse the sheet. You know how you reuse the cookie sheet? His his whole torso looked like a used cookie sheet from multiple dinners. He was like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get you the money. Desperate, desperate times, desperate measures. And then we 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 get to see Franklin's just like he's willing to turn his back on his family, his mother, fuck anybody that's standing in the way of him and that money. And he was willing to just turn it, turn his back on his mom. And Teddy played a car. He was like, you know what? Your husband's still alive. I never killed him. I never killed him. What? I never killed him in Cuba. You, it was there, buddy. I got him locked away in Puerto Rico. So Sissy Saint is like, oh, shit. Oh. I, need, I need this information. If my husband is still alive, I need this information. We can't kill him now. We can't kill him yet, Franklin. I need this information before you get the money. Desperate measures. And Franklin was desperate enough to kill Teddy's father, his old man father, Franklin killed him. He was having a good time in the living room, just talking. Franklin killed him. Desperate measures. And then when they finally agree to something, they finally about to get the launch codes to get the money back, and he's on the phone with the, the account person. Sissy rolls up and was like, yo, what prison is he in in Puerto Rico? And Teddy's like, man, I lied to you, bitch. I lied to you, man. Get the fuck out of my face. That was the energy he had. Get the fuck out of my face, man. I lied to you, bitch. And Sissy Saint was just like, blasted him. Blasted him right there before he could even get the account numbers finished. Franklin was, Franklin was outside. He was beside himself. It was right there. He was right there. He could taste the so-called money transfer. I don't believe that Teddy was really transferring the money. I don't believe it. And since he was right there, it was like, all right, I'm going to just take him out. I'm going to sacrifice myself here. Sissy Saint peeled his cap. She was just like, fuck all this. Boom, pal. She shot that man, killed him in public, didn't even run, like put me to jail. Sissy Saint sacrificed herself to just dead all of this shit and just let her son just go another route. And the cold part is, with Franklin losing access to this money, 
Because now that Teddy's dead, he lost access to the money. He still had properties in and around L.A. that he could have sold and walked away with some cash. And I'm talking millions. He still had the opportunity to walk away with millions in the 80s. So what? It's not your 72 million or 70 million or whatever. It hurts when you got to take a depletion like that. But don't be completely depleted. Sell your properties, man. If you invest in something, get, get rid of that share and just walk away with something. And he threatened his wife. He threatened his, his baby moms, threatened her. Had money in the bank. Six figures just sitting in the bank. He was like, nah, I want my fucking money. And putting his hands on his girl's neck. And that's when she was like, oh, this is what we doing. This is what we doing? Okay. Okay. All right, Franklin. You're right. Go ahead. If you want to burn it all down, just go right ahead. Okay. And she left his ass. Left his ass with that baby bun in the oven. She was out of here. And I ain't mad at her. I ain't mad at her either. To see what he was willing to do for the money and who he was willing to just run through for the money. And to find out in that moment that she was also expendable when she is carrying your child and you put her hand, you put your hand on her neck to be like, I want my fucking money. All right. She was out of here. That's all she needed to see. And I'm like, yo, I would have left too. I would have been out. Let's say my girl was tripping over the money. And I was like, yo, babe, man, you know what I'm saying? We got 800000 you know what I'm saying? We could sell this property. We could do that, you know what I'm saying? We got, we got some cash. We can start fresh. We can build upon this. And she grabbed me up by the neck, even though she probably going to be shorter than me. She grabbed me up by the neck and be like, I want my fucking money. And she got me choked up. You know, it's coming from, it's coming from the underneath. She choking me up from the underneath. I will burn this shit down because I built it. I want my fucking money and I'll go through anybody to get the fucking money. And I'm like, yo, but yo, babe, man, I'm carrying your child as a man. I'm carrying your child, man. You're strangling me, man. You're strangling me, girl. What's, what's good with you? I want my fucking money. And then I'm going to just be like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and leave with the, with the baby in my stomach. I'm out. I'm out. We'll holler at you later. It showed a man's desperation and love of the greed. And he just ended up crumbling, man. He went to his boy Lee. He went to his boy Lee. He's like, how much money do you have left, Lee? How much money do you have left? And Lee was like, we got about about close to three million, a little under three million. Give me all the money and I'll invest it. I'll put it here. I'll put it there. And I'll give you a, a return on your investment. I'll give you a return on your investment. Lee, just give me the money, man. I made you. Give me the fucking money. And Lee was like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to give you the money. I don't think I'm going to give you the money, man. You tripping. I ain't going to give you the money. I, I made you. You wouldn't have that fucking money without me. 
And then he tried to pull a pistol out, but Lee Lee's whole crew was there. Franklin wasn't getting out of there alive. He had to take the L on that. Then when he said, I built this shit, me, brick by brick. And I'd be damned if I'd let another nigga tear it down just because you don't like the way another nigga talk. Remember that? But Lee was like, nah, man, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable giving you the cash, which was a great move on Leon's part. It was a great move. I don't feel comfortable giving you the money. You got to know who you're dealing with. You got to see people when they spiraling. You got to be like, you know what? I don't think I can trust you with this $2.9 million. I'm going to go ahead and say no, and you just going to accept the no. But I want that fucking money. You can't have it. You wildin', bro. You out here. You, you're a loose cannon, Franklin Saint. His mama, his mama wouldn't even talk to him. She go, she go see Franklin like, why couldn't you just wait till I got the access codes? I was right there. It was in the account. I wanted the fucking money. It was right there. Crumbled. Then he finally found Peaches. He rose up on Peaches. Peaches didn't even run far. We thinking Peaches is in Nicaragua or like Costa Rica or goddamn Chile, Peru, France, Normandy, Sweden. We don't know where Peaches is at, but we just knew he wasn't up the block. Montebello, California. He was mad close. He was hiding in plain sight. That's how you do it, though. That's how you do it. Hiding in plain sight is effective sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you just hide and you close. You ever play hide and seek and wherever the base is where the person is counting, you ever hide close because they don't expect you to? And then they go off and look for everybody, but you was right there. You was right there behind the little thing they was counting on. I've done that. Sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. But you're hiding close. You're staying close. They'll never suspect. He was close. Now, mind you, he was all heroined out. He was a full, he was Junkie McGee. Just had all the, oh. And when I tell y'all, heroin junkies in TV and film gross me out to the, to the ninth degree. Every time I'm watching something, they show they show somebody with the needle in their arm and they got the tracks. I immediately cringe. I'll shiver. My legs feel weird. It'd be like Hurr. my legs do this weird thing where it's like, Hurr. and it's just like, oh, 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 oh. They be looking terrible, man. And I'll be like, man. The whole setup of heroin is just unappealing. Like the, the, you got to cook it in the spoon and then you could put the hot and then you, you got to use a belt and tighten the belt on your arm and then you, you got to find your own vein and you, oh God, and then you got to find other veins throughout and you just all out here track mastered up. <sighs> anyway, he finds peaches. 
He shoots. He ends up shooting Peaches because Peaches tried to shoot him. Now he didn't. He didn't even get the access codes to the safe. He didn't even get the combination. So now Frank is like, ah, the fucking money. And so now you know he got to he got to call in the locksmith to get the safe open. This poor locksmith comes in just doing his job, working hard. He worked full time, man. He been he been a locksmith for like. Probably, probably about two years. He got a family. He got cousins. You know what I'm saying? His favorite pizza spot was Little Caesars when he was growing up, but then it switched because he realized Little Caesars wasn't as good as he remembered, but it was cheap. So all they had was Little Caesars for parties and stuff. But then he was like, ah, it's not really that good. But it's a good dude, man. He had a family, man. The locksmith opens up the, opens, starts working on the safe. And then the junkie just pops up out of nowhere. Where's Peaches? That junkie scared the shit out of me, y'all. He just appeared. He just like, where's Peaches? Oh, oh. I would have jumped so hard, man. If a heroin junkie just pops up on me, oh. I'm, I'm falling down the steps. I'm shook. You know how cats pop up when they scared? They just pop straight up. That's me. I'm popping up. Shoes flying off. Scared the shit out of me, man. He ends up killing the junkie because he asking too many questions, man. And then, you know. The locksmith's like, yo, I didn't sign up for this. He still opens the safe. Frank is like, open the safe. I want my fucking money. He opens the safe. It's only like $12,000 in there. Franklin at this point is like, ah, 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 ah. So he tells the locksmith, like, man, just take the cash and go, man. Just go home to your family. Locksmith's like, all right, man, man, thank you, man. You know what I'm saying? It's real out here. You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? That man walks away. Franklin kills him. Once Franklin killed that locksmith, I was big done. I was already big done with Franklin. I've been kind of done with Franklin for some time now. Just the, the moves he's making, the choices, how he disrespects everybody that's close to him, you know, the desperation, the, the things he's going to do to just to get the money. I, was, I, I just lost all respect for Franklin a long time ago. Like I couldn't trust him. All the double-crossing and backstabbing, it was just like, man, I ain't feeling this cat no more. You know what I'm saying? Whatever happens to him, happens to him. And I was loving Jerome. Like, Jerome was my guy in this season. Like, Jerome, Jerome, Oso, goddamn Scully, Sissy Saint, man boy. That's like my top five characters right there. Um, And I also like those two girls that were just doing anything to make it in the game. You know, they would do hits. They would do whatever. Those two girls right there, I love them. But Jerome was my guy, man. Like, I was was rocking with Jerome heavy. Um, Only 12K, 14K in the the safe. And he he kills an innocent locksmith because he saw too much. And I was just like, I'm done with Franklin. I don't care nothing about Franklin at this point. Franklin never gets his money. He holds himself up at his mom's old house, and Leon comes to see him probably a year, maybe a year or two later. Pulls up on him, and, and Franklin is just a drunk. He's a drunk. Broke. No more money. The rise and fall. All for the greed. He could have walked away with, with a little something, a nice little nest egg. Nah, man. I wanted it all. I wanted all of my fucking money. Such a fall from grace. Grace show. Grace show. Now, 
after this break, I'm going to compare it to The Wire. After I do a little spot about Green Chef. Okay? Yeah, man. Green Chef. So, check this out. I had Green Chef uh, the other night. And I had a cauliflower bowl uh, with Green Chef. So, what they do is... They send you meal kits. And Green Chef, they give you a lot of different options. They give you a lot of different options. You can go uh, vegetarian. You can go uh, keto. You can go vegan. You can. It's a, meal, it's a meal prep kit that's just tailor-made for whatever you into. Whatever you into, they got you. All right? And so Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, Paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Because a lot, a lot of a lot of meal, a lot of meal prep places, they might not, they might not cater to your needs. There's a there's a meal prep place close to where I live. I went in there just to see what kind of vegan options they had. They didn't have tofu for your boy. They didn't have it. So what I like about Green Chef is they got those options. If you if you tell them, yo, I'm just going vegan, man, they got you, man. I had the cauliflower bowl. It came with, you opened the bag up. It had cauliflower in there, uh, coriander, and um, was it coriander? And I forget the other spice in one bag. They had the corn and the red peppers in another bag. They had a bag of rice. Um and they had uh, some garlic uh, aioli sauce. So you had the sauces. You had the, the cauliflower itself. And the cauliflower is tricky. Cauliflower is a tricky cook. Because you got you to make sure you get the texture right on the cauliflower. Because, you know, if it's too hard, then... Because, honestly, cauliflower ain't bringing a lot to the table, taste-wise. So you got to jazz it up. You got to jazz cauliflower up right, or else it's just going to be, like you said... Like you say, KC is mid. You gotta jazz up your cauliflower correctly. And so if you jazz it up correctly, you get the right texture, you get the right consistency on your cauliflower. And then you mix that together with the rice, the corn, and the peppers and the, the aioli. It also came with garlic in the bag. They give you everything you need and they give you step-by-step instructions on how to prepare it. But you can fill up with protein packed. Uh, their newest collection of recipes fit for a high-protein dietary preference. Uh, choose from three weekly menu items, uh, each including at least 40 grams of protein per serving. You can expect a variety of satisfying, flavorful recipes like Greek chicken salad with uh, mint olive tapenade or enchilada spiced turkey bowl or an almond-crusted uh, barramundi. Uh, now you can choose from 50 plus weekly menu and market items with the option to mix and match meals from different dietary preferences in the same box without changing your plan, i.e. Uh, you can order vegan one day, keto the next. You can get everything you need at Green Market. Their one-stop shop for quick breakfasts, brunch kits, wholesome lunches, and more. And you can easily add on to your weekly order. Um, and they're offering customization they're offering more customization than ever before. In addition to swapping protein in any meal, they feature chicken, beef, or salmon for USDA certified organic ground beef, 
USDA certified organic chicken and wild caught sockeye salmon. Now you can also add chicken or fish to select vegan and veggie recipes each week for an added protein boost. You can eat well at lunchtime, too, with their 10-minute lunches. Each week's menu includes two convenient, low-prep, and nutritious lunch recipes ready in just 10 minutes. No cooking required. Perfect for when you're on the go or pressed for time at the office, man. So they got the options for you, man. Uh, Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Green Chef has options for every lifestyle. Um, So, yeah, man. Uh, Green Chef is tremendous, and it, they deliver it. It comes in the bag. I like the paper bag they give you. It's something about food in the paper bag, man. I feel like I don't know how y'all feel. It could be a mental thing. It could be just. It's definitely a mental thing because I don't see why it would affect taste. I feel like food tastes better when it's in the paper bag. I don't know what it is, man. I feel like the food tastes better when it's in the paper bag. It's just it's just something. I don't know. Maybe it's the visual of the paper bag and it's, it's the curl over the top. Then sometimes you get that little grease stain on I don't know what it is about a paper bag. That when you go in, it's the sound of the bag, too. It just sounds like I'm drooling now. Like when you open a plastic bag, eh, plastic bag is just a plastic bag. But man, a paper bag, when you open it and go in, yeah, I got the food. And then you come out with that. That's a good time. That's a good time. That grease, that grease thing, man. So get 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 your green chef, man. Get your green chef. Get that green chef in your life. So here we have for you, man. Go to greenchef.com slash verbal60 and use the code verbal60. 60 to get 60 percent off plus free shipping so go to uh, greenchef.com slash verbal 60 and use the code verbal 60 to get 60 percent off plus free shipping you can't beat that you could not beat that man that's a good time 60 percent off one more time greenchef.com slash verbal 60 and get 60% off plus free shipping. You're going to need it. Even if you cook at home, you're going to need some Green Chef as backup. It's going to be in that paper bag. It's going to be in that paper bag, shall we? Um, Verbal 60, man. Now, The Wire or Snowfall? The Wire or Snowfall. Both really good shows. Drug game. One show is about a certain individual's rise and fall. Another show is about a certain city's rise and fall. Well, not really rise, but just how the main character in The Wire is the city of Baltimore. And what's going on within that city as far as drugs, union, uh, police force, politics, education, journalism. Snowfall is about the rise and fall of a young man who had his his goals set on pure domination in the drug game and where that ended up. For me, for me, I think there were there were definite 
showy performances in Snowfall in terms of acting. Definite showy performances. Jerome, Louis, Franklin, Sissy Saint. Sissy Saint should get an uh, Emmy nomination. I'm sick of this. Showy performances. Scully, man boy. They acting. They big acting. The Wire, though, it felt like nobody was acting. And that's a compliment. The Wire felt like it felt like I was watching real life at all times. It felt like, yo, this shit is really happening. This is really I'm not I'm not watching them be actors. Cause you know when I watch when I watch Snowfall and I'm looking at Franklin Saint, and I'm like, yo, this guy's British. He's a I'm I'm thinking about his West Coast accent. I'm thinking about the prep, you know, to get and don't get me wrong, the wire had British actors also. The guy that played McNulty is is British. But I wasn't thinking about Oh, yo, he British. I was just watching him. Matter of fact, The Wire was my intro to him. So it was I didn't even know he's British till later. The Wire was my intro to Idris Elba, who also I didn't know was British. I was just like, yo, who are these guys? It introduced me to a wealth of dope actors. A wealth of super dope characters. You know, just interesting three-dimensional characters it was just like and they and then they just presented in such a way that it's just like yo i don't feel like they're acting and sissy saint is also in the wire as the mother of d'angelo barksdale that was my intro to her michael b jordan michael k williams these actors Sonia uh, San, who's who's now in uh, Will Trent as Kima Griggs. So many dope performances. Bubbles, uh, played by Andre Arroyo. Arroyo? Andre Arroyo. Killed the role. Like, I believe that he was really out here in these streets trying to, trying to make it through addiction. And the stuff they got to do in the streets to maintain their addiction and feed their addiction. And to me, as good as Snowfall was, The Wire is still cream of the crop. Prop Joe, Marlo Stanfield, Avon Barksdale, Stringer Bell. You know what I'm saying? These dope characters, man. McNulty, Bunk, Freeman, Daniels. Hurricane Carver, the kids, Michael, Duke, Wayman. It's just like, man, the kid that always stole the, the cars and stuff in the community. The Wire is the best TV drama of all time, in my opinion, and it still remains number one for me. For me. For me. It's just it's just top notch storytelling. It's top notch acting. It's top notch storytelling, and the the writing was always his strongest uh, suit. And I know, and I know, people be like, season two, season two, season two, 
Season two was great. When you look at season two in its entirety and how it blended in to everything else that was going on throughout the city of Baltimore and how it blended in to what was going on in season one and those characters, that shit was, from a writing standpoint, that shit was genius. It made you care about the union situation with dock workers in Baltimore, how they were connected to crime. It was just like, oh, oh, wow, this is really going on? Okay. And how that connected into the drug dealers on the street. You know, season one, introducing all the players in the game and how how hard it is to even get a team together to make a drug case to go after certain targets. And how those targets maneuvered within their world. And how they dodged the cops or whatever. How they worked with the cops and each other. In season three, when we're talking about when we digging deep into the political aspect of the city, which bled into the police aspect of the city, which bled into the drug aspect of the city and how that was affecting everything and how that was all coming together. Brother Muzone coming in to take some cats out and just tremendous storytelling. And then season four was probably some of the best shit I've ever seen in any type of fictional format. Season four of The Wire. Season four is just heartbreaking, tremendous television. We're dealing with the education system and how the kids within that community are affected by what's going on around them and, and what they can become. See, we coming in, we coming into the drug dealers and the kingpins as grown men. But now let's start at the ground level and see how these kids can end up being drug kingpins, cops, politicians. Let's see how they can come up and where did they start? And we're seeing a flawed education system, social disparity, income disparities, gaps, students left behind, funding, lack of funding, you know. And just to see all of this just unfold within the narrative of the streets, the politics, and the cops again. But now we got the education in there. To see how a cop like Presbyluski, who was a screw-up cop, can become an effective and caring teacher in the Baltimore public schools. To see how Carver was just this cop that just was roughing cats up, roughing drug dealers up, and didn't really care. To see how... To see the young kids break through his shield and make him realize that, yo, man, I got to do better to better this community. I got to become a better police officer and really connect with these kids instead of just roughing them up. To see that character development. To see how McNulty, from the beginning, just be this selfish, arrogant cop who's a good cop, who's also an alcoholic who's also, you know, bitter about his failed marriage, who's also trying to raise his sons, but also he'll nail anything that moves. But at the same time, he's great police. And at the same time, too, he respects the drug dealers in the sense of, yeah, he's trying to take you down, but he's speaking to you on a human-to-human level, even within that. Like when he interacts with Stringer Bell or any of the cast from the streets, When McNulty talks to the people in the community, I felt a respect there. Even though he was trying to 
trying to arrest these cats. It was, it was just like a, that's their job. They're, a cop's job is to arrest lawbreakers. We know that. But within that, how are you talking to the people in the community? And I always felt like McNulty had a great respect for the people in the community, bad or good. I felt like he came with respect. And that's what I liked about McNulty. McNulty would be annoying because he was just so anti, you know, anti-superiors or whatever. But he had those good qualities where I was just like, I like the way he talks to uh, Bodie. I like the way he talks to Bubbles. I like the way he interacts with Stringer Bell. It was just like, yo, this guy is... He cares about the people in the community because we we all know those cops that just bust heads and they don't give a damn. They look at they look at people in these communities like they just fleas, like you're nothing. I'm just here to bust you up and throw you in the car because you're all criminals. I don't care what you do. There's a lot of cops with that attitude, but to see McNulty be that type of cop and then get so frustrated with the system within on the lawmaking front on the on the on the uh, the law enforcement front. And then he's like, man, he gets disenfranchised and just, I'm going to just be a beat cop. I'm going to just do regular shit. I'm no longer, I'm no longer homicide. I'm going to just be a regular beat cop. And he was loving that. And he had like a girlfriend and, you know, he was getting his life together. He wasn't drinking anymore. He would drink on occasion, but he wasn't that same dude. And then to see him revert back to his old self because he got disenfranchised because, you know, he felt responsible for the death of Bodie. And so he got determined to take down Marlo Stansfield by any means necessary. And to see a character like Avon Barksdale not being able to let it go that, you know, I'm a drug dealer. I made something to myself. I don't want to go into real estate. I don't want to do this. I just want to be a gangster. And to see the conflict between Avon Barksdale and his right-hand man, Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell, wanted, he wanted to dip into real estate. He wanted to do legitimate business. And to see that conflict and to see how those two maneuvered with each other and to see how Marlo Stanfield came in as one of the coldest villains on TV. This dude was heartless. This dude was like, this dude had no soul. This dude... It was like, yo, who is this man? What drives him? What's his origin story? We don't know. And that's what made Marlo Stanfield even more terrifying because we didn't know the origin. We don't have to know every single piece of a villain's origin. Sometimes they just are who they are. and We don't know how they got there. And that shit is even scarier when you don't know the origin. Because then you don't know how to break through. And then you just like, yo, I'm shook. Marlo Stansfield, Chris Partlow, and Snoop, they were terrifying. They was dropping bodies left and right in Baltimore. And then to see Michael and, and Duke and, and Randy and, 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 and Wayman and just see how they, Naaman, my bad, Naaman Bryce, see how those four kids were growing up together as friends and to see how they just branched off and, and ended up. Mike not being scared of nobody, man, standing, being, being down for his, being strong, but still a kid, but being strong, making sure his little brother was okay because he had been through some things. And to see Duke is like, you know, he was teased, he was poor, you know what I'm saying? But he was a good kid. He just didn't have anybody to love him like that and to, and to, and to buy him clean clothes and to care for him like that. And to see, 
to see uh, Randy, you know, being in the foster home. He loved his foster mom, you know what I'm saying? And he was a hustler, man. He's selling candy and shit like that, and you know what I'm saying, doing what he got to do to survive on the hustle mentality and to see how he ended up because he was telling, he was snitching. And Wayman, Naaman, I keep saying Wayman, Naaman, the son of, uh, of one of Avon Barksdale's prime lieutenants, Weebay. This is Weebay's son. Weebay is never snitched, took mad murder raps, never snitched, just went to jail, ate it like a man. He signed up for this lifestyle. He took that, he took his sentence like a G and even took murders that he didn't even commit just to stay true. The definition of a loyal soldier. His son is now out here in the education. And since his dad has such a rep, he wants to live up to that rep, but he's not built for that. He's softer than that, but he's trying to portray this tough image. These are real people. These are real layered individuals. And to see Bubbles battle his heroin addiction and trying to trying to steal like lead pipes and like, you know, trying to fight his addiction, but then getting hooked again and try to fight it again, then getting hooked again. And being an informant for the cops, Kima and McNulty. And seeing Bunk try to do real homicide work. And to see Omar, a character like Omar, which is one of the dopest characters in television history, a guy that robs drug dealers. And the drug dealers are shook, terrified. And he has a code, man. He don't mess with innocence out here. No women and the children. Just I'm coming at the drug dealers. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get you. But I'm just going after the drug dealers. And I'm gay. So what? So this 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 rich this rich ensemble cast is is the is the wire strong suit man. The wire strong suit is it's an ensemble piece. It's just like they said in the show, every piece mattered, and I feel like every piece in this show mattered, and that's what made it brilliant. It wasn't just about one person; it was about everybody within this city and i was just like man this shit is just premium television man premium television master class of just excellent writing great performances they made it look easy they made the performances look effortless and real and you felt them even when they had the even when they had those moments where it was just like some heavy shit going on like when Kima when Kima got shot in that botched drug fake drug deal undercover and she barely made it and and, and McNulty finally showed up at the hospital and he was he was getting emotional and like <laughs> Kima was like man don't come in here all soft that moment felt real or the moment where McNulty was talking to D'Angelo Barksdale's mom and and making her feel that, yo, you really put your son out here in the drug game and now you want to come in here all high and mighty and ask for justice. When you, when you sat here and let your son become involved in the family business and when she, she sat there and sat in that, come on, man premium prime television and with my patron saints we still got to finish season five we still got to finish it but man it's just 
And the way Prop Joe would talk, man, the way Prop Joe would talk, he was just so cool and smooth and like, let me parlay with you real quick, you know? Prop Joe and and Slim Charles and Cheese Wagstaff, all these East Side cats. Man, though, tremendous. They opened up a world to us that was just incredible. So I'm going with the wire. All that being said, the wire over snowfall, hands down, for me. No, McNulty, McNulty's white. McNulty's a white guy. The majority, and and I want to say this about, I want to say this about the wire as well. I felt like it was robbed of. The Wire remains one of the most critically acclaimed shows that HBO has ever done. It's, it's remained one of the most critically acclaimed shows on TV. They had like one or two raggedy-ass Emmy nominations for its entire five-season run. But the critical acclaim this show received was just crazy. And no Emmy nominations? No performances singled out? No performance. Let's look at let's look at the wire real quick. Let's look at how they were doing it on the wire. All right. When it comes to a critical acclaim. And the vast majority of the cast was black. The vast majority. And I think that's why the Emmys ignored this show. Because the vast majority of the cast was black. That's what I'm going with. The wire on IMDB has a 9.3 out of 10 rating on IMDb. It's very hard to get a rating that high when you have 351,000 people rating it. It's very rare for a show to go over nine with that many votes. 9.3 out of 10 for The Wire. Let's go to Rotten Tomatoes. I'm talking about the robbery of the wire right here, man. Let's go to Rotten Tomatoes. The wire. Now, if you're not familiar with Rotten Tomatoes, it's like all the, the critical accumulation of like movies and TV. Oh, wait, hold on. What the hell is this? Hold on. Okay. The wire. The wire as a whole, as a whole, all five seasons together has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. An audience score of 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. On a critical consensus for The Wire, season one is rated at an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Season two, 95%. Season three, 100%. Season four, 100%. Season five, 93%. How the fuck do you not have Emmy nominations with a critical consensus like this? How? How? How are you not getting nominated for mad Emmys with a consensus like this? Somebody somebody break that down for me, please. How are you sitting here with two seasons at 100% and you not have Emmy nominations coming out the ass cheeks? 
I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. But, you know, politics, assholding. I don't know what assholding means, but I just made it up in the moment. But I just hate how the wire was ignored. And to prove to you how good the wire was, you saw the actors from the wire everywhere after the wire. Idris Elba and Michael K. Williams was everywhere. Michael B. Jordan then became a star. Come on, man. Sick of it. Sick of it, man. But yeah. All right, let's go to some questions real quick, man. Some some this or that. Some this or that, y'all. Y'all got some this or that for me? Y'all got some good, robust this or that? No, we got, man. Tony, uh, so G. Lowry has a Tupac question. Uh, Bishop, Lucky, or Birdie? So I guess you ask me who my favorite Tupac character is out of those three, Bishop, Lucky, or Birdie. So if you're not familiar, Bishop is Tupac's character in Juice. Lucky is Tupac's character in Poetic Justice. And Birdie is Tupac's character in uh, Above the Rim. I'm going to go with Bishop. Bishop stands out the most. Bishop is easily my, I mean, uh, Juice is my, easily my favorite film out of those three. As a person that I would want to hang with and that I was like moved by, of course, lucky. But Bishop was just so just unhinged. Like he just went crazy on us. And Juice is just, you know, I've seen Juice the most out of those three. So I'm going with uh I'm going with Bishop from Juice for the Tupac. Side note. Dear Mama on Hulu. Or it's on FX, but I watch it through Hulu. Dear Mama on FX is a Tupac documentary. Really, it's about Tupac and Afini Shakur. It's a documentary out right now. Uh they got three episodes out right now. I think there's gonna be five total. Maybe six. I'm not sure. It's a must watch. If you if you are remotely a fan of Tupac, you gotta watch this, man. This is just prime real estate viewing right here. They digging deep into Tupac's life, his upbringing. They digging deep into Afini Shakur and what she had going and what they were doing back then and how it correlate. They doing a great comparison of back then. To, from when Afini was going through her struggles to when Tupac was going through his and that dichotomy right there, they are doing a masterful job at painting the full picture of Tupac and his mom. It's fantastic. It's a good ass time. And it just makes you appreciate Pac. Cause y'all know, you know, I've done my, 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 my 10 favorite MC lists and all that. And I'll be like, yo man, I ain't got no Tupac album on my top 25 and all of this. Tupac ain't in your top five, you know. But I've always said, I've always said that Tupac is the most iconic rapper to ever live. Hands down. Easily. Because Tupac transcends the music. You know? We can, we can, we can argue all day and night about who got better bars between this rapper and this rapper and this rapper and this rapper. That's all day. We... We ain't never going to agree. 
But Tupac, in terms of image, look, what he stood for, what he rapped about, his impact beyond the music, he has transcended rap music. He's went beyond that. He's in, he's in the Bob Marley, Muhammad Ali, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X realm of just like immortality beyond the beyond the music. We could sit there and argue, oh, such and such got the most sales. Well, this dude, you know, but Tupac was just, he inspired millions out here with his look, his image, everything. And then when you listen to what he was rapping about, Tupac represented everything about being black in America, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Tupac represents... Tupac himself is a contradiction of everything. You know, he was militant. He was compassionate. He loved black people. He was educated. But all, at the same time, he was ignorant. He was violent. He was a loose cannon. He was reckless. He loved women, but at the same time, he going to smash mad broads. You know what I'm saying? He's going to do this. He's going to be eating chicken wings. He's going to be smoking weed. But he's going to be about his people. He's going to be saying, we got to do better. We got to protect the children. We got to do this. We got to protect the babies. But I'm going to do some ignorant shit as well. He was everything in one person. He was just all over the place within one person. It was just like, it was an, an incredible chaotic mess of a human being. It's just like, wow. One minute he's saying this, the next minute it's just pure ignorance. And you're just like, Okay. It's what we're doing. We got to do better as black people, man, but fuck these niggas. All in one. Crazy. But yeah, man, check that out. It's a, it's good viewing. Uh, Forrest Whitaker or Lawrence Fishburne? Forrest Whitaker or Lawrence Fishburne? So I'm going to base this on, I'm not going to base this on who I think is the stronger actor. Because I think they're both phenomenal. Um, I love watching each of them work. But in terms of like characters that they have presented so far, I'm going to go with Lawrence Fishburne. On the strength of Morpheus, Furious, Ike Turner, I feel like Lawrence Fishburne has more iconic characters. I think, I think Lawrence Fishburne has more iconic characters under his belt. Shit, even even Gramps on uh Blackish. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Lawrence. Even though I think Forrest Whitaker is fantastic, but I think Lawrence Furious Styles from Boys in the Hood is one of my favorite movie characters of all time. And Morpheus is one of my favorite movie characters. So you see what I'm saying? That's why I'm going with Lawrence Fishburne. Aaliyah or Beyonce? Shit. Y'all going for the jugular, huh? Kobe Maguire, Aaliyah, or Beyonce? Me personally, and I know y'all going to come for my neck, my head, and shoulders. Aaliyah for me personally. No disrespect to Beyonce. I, I hear, I hear the I hear the wings buzzing from the from the Bay Hive. I hear I hear it. I hear y'all getting activated. We talking about me. We talking about my preference. We talking about my preference. We ain't talking about, you know, who changed the game, who's an icon, this, that, and third, who can sing better. I'm not 
me personally, personally, Aaliyah, and here's why. Here's why I'm picking Aaliyah. I like, I probably like, in my opinion, Aaliyah doesn't have an album as good as Dangerously in Love, in my opinion. I feel like, I know y'all be like, Lemonade, I know y'all be like, The Renaissance. But me personally, I feel like Dangerously in Love is my favorite Beyonce album, still. The, Lemonade was dope. And I listened to The Renaissance. I listened to it. I pulled up, and then I just never came back. And yes, Beyonce be rapping, and she's fantastic, and she's a brilliant live performer, and she got a stronger singing voice, and you know she is just she is she has transcended everything. I know this. And Dangerously in Love is probably better than than any Aaliyah album, in my opinion. But Aaliyah, though, Aaliyah was just cool as shit, man. It just she just made shit look easy. She made shit look easy, man. And I'll be liking that. Like Beyonce don't make nothing look easy. Beyonce make Beyonce make stuff look like it was just prepped and and rehearsed and ready and but that that's and it's not a diss to Beyonce. It's not a diss at all because Beyonce is like Michael Jackson. They're going to put in the work. They they're perfectionists. They're going to put the work in. They're going to give you premium everything at at the highest level. And I I respect that and I appreciate that and I, I love it. I'm like, yo, that's fantastic. But I feel like everything Beyonce does is prepped and looked over and and, and just, you know, this got to be perfect. I'm going to say anything. It's going to be perfect. Everything about to be perfect. Everything going to be perfect. You hear me? Everything, even if it's unplanned, it's going to be perfectly unplanned. I got it. Go team. I feel like Aaliyah was just being Aaliyah. Of course, of course, she plans certain looks and styles, but I just feel like she just made it look cool and easy and light and fun and just like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, man. And when I look at Aaliyah, I, I want to hang with Aaliyah. Like, I want to spend time with Aaliyah. I want to, I want to invite Aaliyah to game night. And I feel like she's gonna be a good time. She's gonna be cool. She's gonna be standing there smiling. She's gonna be laughing. She's gonna be a good time. You're going to be looking at her face like, man, Aaliyah, man, you know what I'm saying? And her voice is just so calming and just like, her voice is just like warm and cool and smooth. And Aaliyah used to come out and then disappear and get out of your face. And you just, man, where, where Aaliyah? Oh, oh, there she is. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, and then the essence of like, you know, and, and when you lose somebody tragically, it makes you, it makes you more drawn to them unfortunately it's like man i miss Aaliyah, man you know what i'm saying so much potential the what ifs so when you look at Aaliyah and you you hear her name and you see her face and you hear her you just like man Aaliyah. it's just like a different feeling so that's why i'm going with Aaliyah for me for me no disrespect to beyonce man get off my neck man um shereen youngblood asked brussels or cabbage I'm going with Brussels. Before, if you would have asked me this a few years ago, I'd have been like cabbage. Cabbage. Cabbage, because I grew up eating cabbage. My mom would make it and she would throw some like some like some meat fats in there and like some like, I don't know if it was ham or my mom would probably chime in and tell tell us what she put in there. But cabbage is right. Now cabbage is a good time. I don't really like raw cabbage, but like when it's cooked, 
It's gonna gas me up. It's gonna give me. It's gonna give me five on eight. It's gonna give me five on eight unleaded on the gas tip. But it, man, it was a good time. But man, here lately, with the with the recipe Sabrina introduced us to the Brussels sprouts with the maple syrup and the bacon, vegan of course. That shit shot the Brussels sprouts to the stratosphere for me. So now I'm Brussels sprouts McGee, man. I'm Kurt Brussel. I'm Brussel Westbrook. I'm D'Angelo Brussel. You hear me? I'm Brussels Sprouts McGee now. So I'm going to go with the Brussels Sprouts, man. My mind has changed. I'm a different person now. Tanya R. asks, Tony, you're looking smaller. What you doing, bro? Um, I have been... I've been walking. I try to walk uh five mile walk run. I've been doing like a walk run. So I like I try to I try to jog two miles and then walk to three. So I try to do that multiple days a week, five day minimum. Also still been going to the gym. As far as eating, I've been doing like every other day, like I'll do a smoothie day where it's just like all smoothies. And then the next day I'll just cook at home, which is primarily just like tofu spinach and just egg and i've just been doing that at the crib i've cut way back on my sweets outside of like fruit that's in smoothies cut way back on my sweets um i try to avoid fried food um i try not to eat out as much i know when i go back on the road i ain't really got no option but that's what i've been doing and uh okay so i'm looking smaller okay i'll take it I'll take it. Um, so yeah, that's all I've been doing. Uh, we should do Swarm on movie night. We already finished Swarm, uh, Salim. We already we already watched that together at movie night. Who does better call outs, Letter or Corn Dog? Letter Letter gives better call outs because Letter gives you the full setup. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, we play Call of Duty together. And when you're playing Call of Duty as a team and somebody's calling out, yo, they over here by the cocaine warehouse. You got you to gotta be specific on where the enemy is to alert your teammates. Letta is very good at giving us the full description of where they at. I got two coming around the taco truck. They're coming up on that left side. They're in the little nook. She loves to say they're in the nook. She loves to say the nook. It's always a nook with letter. Corndog be trying to get the information, but he gets emotional a lot of times in his information, and sometimes he doesn't give us any information because he got emotional in the information given. He'd be laughing, or sometimes he'd be surprised, or if he gets frustrated, he's super trash. Corndog is super trash with the call-out information if he's getting frustrated. If he's getting killed too much, oh, they got me again, man. Oh, man, it's bullshit, man. But we're not getting no information of what happened to him, who killed him. Are they coming around the corner? Are they close? Are they in the cocaine warehouse? Are they on the on the lighthouse? Are they on the sniper rock? Where are they? Man, they over there by the, man. So he'll get in his feelings and not give us the proper call-out information. But letter, letter can stand firm and give us the information. They they in the White House, second floor, the window on the left. You know what I'm saying? In the little nook on the window on the left. 
So I'm gonna go with letter on that. And Corn Dog be fumbling his words too, so that sometimes he'll give partial information that just fade out, and then we be like, "Why you ain't tell me you was behind me, man? Oh man, sorry, man. I saw you die." Um, Chanel Renee asks, "No eyebrows or no eyelashes?" I would rather have no eyelashes. Because I, I really don't pay attention to my eyelashes now. But I feel like I would notice my lack of, of eyebrow. My eyebrows are already thin as is. but um, And I know, ladies, y'all be looking at eyelashes tough. You really, y'all really, does it, does it boil y'all hot dogs when men, we don't care about our eyelashes? But we be having long, curly eyelashes, and we just be out here blinking and existing and not giving a damn about our eyelashes. But women, y'all be wanting the eyelash. Y'all be like, man, look at them eyelashes. And we just be like, man, fuck these eyelashes. We be blinking and not giving a damn. I know y'all be looking at us pissed. Y'all be like, man, you don't appreciate what you got. I'm over here gluing eyelashes to my real lids and you out here not giving a damn about your luxurious curly ass eyelashes. I'm sick of men. I know y'all be pissed. We don't give a damn about our eyelashes. We don't be curling them. We don't be mascaring them joints. We They just be there. We be like, all right. I can't even, I don't even remember. The only time I even think about my eyelashes is if it's something on them. I'll be like, man, get the hell up out of here. i rip the hairs out and won't even think twice. But y'all be like, you got nice eyelashes. Oh, yeah, thanks. You know, I never thought about that, man. You don't appreciate that. We don't care. As men, we don't care about the eyelashes. So I'm losing the eyelashes. Easy work. Uh, Lana asks, trivia night or board game night? I'm more of a fan of board games. But with board games, you've got to be focused. you got to be ready to really tap into the board game. You can't be half-assing on the board game. You can't be sitting up here half in and half out. You know, some people show up to game nights, they half in, half out. You can't do that when you got the board. When the board game is set up, pay attention, focus, lock in. Count your money. Get your money right if there's if it's money involved in the board game. Spin the wheel. Pay attention to your turn. It's your turn. Move the pieces correctly. Count correctly. Tap in fully, man. Pay attention. Know what properties you have and that you don't have. See, a lot of people show up to game night. They ain't focused. They just there to socialize. They have, man, shut up, man. Games. Games. We in here, man. Serious business. So with trivia, you can be a little bit more loose. People just be like, who was the first person to say, I have a dream? Oh, Martin Luther King. You know, everybody can kind of just get in on that. But when you got the board games, you really got to lock in. So for me, I prefer board games but i know if it's gonna be a game night situation we got people in there and you know everybody ain't focused then you got to go with the trivia just to to round everybody up but for me i love a good 
board game night where we focused on the monopoly, life, access and allies, risk, hero clicks, whatever the board game is, backgammon, scrabble, goddammit. I love I love a good board game, but we gotta be we gotta be all in. We gotta be all in together, focused and like, you know, paying attention. Um would you rather be deaf in one ear or have one nostril permanently blocked? Amir looked up on that one. I would rather have one nostril permanently blocked. Even though even though my right ear is already trash, my right ear is constantly ringing and sometimes the ringing fluctuates in intensity, so sometimes it's real loud and sometimes it's like right now it's like medium loud. It's like a constant noise in this ear. So pretty much my right ear is trash anyway and it's annoying. Breathing out of one nostril is annoying, but this is next level annoying because it's like, wait, I didn't hear what you said. Come back around on this side. And like, even when sound travels in this ear, it feels weird when it comes in. But I hate that one nostril, though. I can't stand that. Well, you got nothing in, in one of the nostrils? That sucks, too. But I need to hear. I got to hear. So... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the. I'd rather just have one nostril permanently blocked. But that was, oh, both of these suck. All right, but I gotta pick one of the two. You going with nostril, Amir? Easily take taking a nostril. Yeah, I've lived with allergies my whole life. Oh, so you used to this? I could deal with the one nostril, yeah. and then after I get used to it. But being deaf in one ear, like oh I, man, I love music. I do music. Sound yeah. is my life. If I can't hear in one ear, I've lost the job. You're done. I'm done. That's true. I would, that's, I would, I would, it was like, would you rather lose your eyes or ears? And I'm like, man, that's a terrible one too, but I probably oh. want to, I'll probably want to hear. Yeah. That, that's an even tougher question. Would, would I rather lose my eyesight or my hearing? Damn. <clears throat> yeah, that's tough. The nose one, I see somebody say, if one nostril is blocked, your taste would be trash. I'm not 100% sure on that because that doesn't mean that you're, your um, like your sense of smell is gone. It's just that we might correlate that because allergies are usually the reason why it blocks a nostril. Right. There's a re- there's an allergic reaction causing stuff to stop. So it's like right. There's too much going on. But if it was just like the nostril just doesn't work, then I feel like the other one still works. You can still smell. Yeah. You can still taste. Because I, I I've be definitely right. been clogged up in one nostril. I can still taste. Yeah. And also being if you're a, become deaf in one ear, it's going to throw your equilibrium off, and how you navigate through life like you'd probably be dizzy for a mm-hmm. while because your whole life you've been hearing in both now you're gonna right. be here on one side yep. and it's gonna throw off your whole sense of space and oh. where you are and all this other stuff like that and i think that's what causes my dizzy spells i think it's due to the fact that this ear is is, is tripping so i'll be getting dizzy and so the, the clogged nostril ain't never dizzied me up so i'm definitely going Definitely going, uh, I'd rather have that nostril clog. Anyway, uh, I'm going to get up out of here. I like these kind of questions, though. Let's keep these kind of questions coming every uh, verbal cardio episode because they can all be clipped. 
and they're easy to find. We can all clip these, and it's a good ass time. And it's gonna get people talking in the comment sections, which, <laughs> excuse me, which is what I want. Uh, shout out to my patron saints in here with the great questions. I appreciate y'all. Love y'all passionately in the shower. You already know what it is. Shout out to Sabrina. I saw her up in here as well. Producer extraordinaire. Um, she said all conversations come back to the wire with Tony. But that was the topic, though. It was the topic of who was better, Snowfall or The Wire. But The Wire is always going to be brought up. Uh, anyway, if you're listening to this, get your tickets. Get your tickets to come see me. Get your tickets early. Kansas City this weekend. Jacksonville, Florida the next weekend. A couple weekends off. It's Columbus, Ohio, Detroit, Michigan, Nashville, Tennessee, Lexington, Kentucky, Richmond, Virginia, followed by the Ball Brothers Tour, Chicago, New York, Dallas, New Orleans, Phoenix, Cleveland, D.C., Atlanta, uh, Charlotte, and that's nine, there's one more. There's one more than I'm forgetting. Um, Philly. Those 10 cities. So get your tickets early. Get the tickets early. God damn it. Get them early. Um, I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Appreciate you, Amir, on the ones and twos. And uh, yeah, y'all. Appreciate y'all for listening. And uh, thank you for tuning in to another session of that verbal cardio.